We seem to be confused today on the difference between our rights, the things that we are entitled to, and our boundaries. It also seems that this confusion is causing a conflation of the ideas, which is leading to a very toxic environment. Hey, it's Lucas Grobot, and you are listening to The Lucas Grobot Show, where we uncover purpose, pursue truth, and own the future. That's right. Today, we are talking about rights, entitlements, and boundaries, specifically how in much of culture today, in much of the self-help Instagram meme culture today, we are spouting off these really kind of nice sounding ideas, but I think are pretty toxic and bad about how we need to live these boundary lives of taking care of ourselves first. But the result of those things the result of living this quote-unquote boundaried life is really an entitlement and not a right. And the thing that got me thinking about this this week was on the previous episode where we talked about the difference between justice and social justice, I made a statement that bothered myself, which wasn't quite true. In that episode, if you remember, I said, we do not have a right to eat. We don't have a right to eat. Even there, I was loose in my language and I was conflating the definition between right to eat and entitlement to eat. See, we do have the right to eat. No one can infringe upon us and tell us that we cannot eat food that forcibly block us from being able to put sustenance into our body because we have a right to life. We have a right to breathe. And yet, we do not have an entitlement to food. Meaning, if we don't have food, the world doesn't owe us food. And we're going to get into that and into why. But first, I want to talk to you about my book, Anchored, The Discipline to Stop Drifting. Now, one of the themes that I talk about in this book is our desire and our need our, our, our makeup for adventure. I believe that each and every one of us, we desire adventure at some level. At some level, when we look at entertainment and, and, and reality TV and all these adventure series, you know, we want, we picture ourselves in the hero's shoes and we want to live out that adventure. And yet we so often find ourselves embarking on the adventures. And it only takes a couple of months into our quote-unquote adventure where we get smacked in the face with truth, with reality, with the mundane. And when we get smacked in the face with the mundane, we begin to think, wait a minute, did I make the right choice? I thought that I was supposed to be living an adventure. I thought that my life was supposed to be grandiose and awesome, but instead it is a grind. Instead, it is mundane. What do we do in that moment? What choice are we going to make in that moment? Are we going to persevere and endure? Or are we going to press the eject button, pull the parachute and say, "Mm, I am out of here. Peace out. This isn't for me. The things that we choose in that moment will greatly define what we achieve or do not achieve in our life. It will define whether we fulfill or do not fulfill our destiny and our purpose on the earth. And that was was what was happening to me 
I hit that place of the mundane where I thought I was supposed to be an adventure and that caused my world to go into this tailspin, which caused me to write this book. So I highly encourage you, if you are in that place of wondering, of feeling like life is not what you thought it was supposed to be, that your adventure is not what you thought it was to be, then I highly recommend this book. It will help you navigate this season and many other seasons of your life. You can get the book. The link is in the show notes, or you can get it at my website, Lucas Scrobot. That is L-U-C-A-S-S-K-R-O-B-O-T.com. And while you are there, you'll see a little link on the side of the website where you can send a voice message and leave a question for me that will be played and answered right here on the show, or you can WhatsApp me at plus one two zero two nine two two zero two two zero. I love getting your questions. I love conversing and engaging and interacting with you. So please, I look forward to getting your message. Now, back to the subject at hand. What is the difference? between rights and entitlements. We'll get into boundaries later, but let's first define rights and entitlements because as I said, we have conflated the meaning of rights and entitlements. And we've begun to think that things that we're actually entitled to are our rights and they're not. So first example of this is the one that I gave at the beginning of the show and the mistake that I made in the previous episode where I said that we are not, we do not have the right to food. What I really meant to say is we do not have the entitlement to food. But notice how I conflated that wrongly because in much of culture today, much of society today says we have the right to fill in the blank. We have the right to an income. We have the right to safety and and protection. But really, what what they're meaning to say is that I'm in, I feel entitled to eat food. I feel like the world owes me food, that the world owes me a safe place. Now, you have the right to protect yourself, but that that does not mean that you will always be safe. You have the right to eat food, but that does not mean that you will always have food on the table. So what I should have said was, we have the right to eat, but we are not entitled to food because nobody owes me this. No one owes me money. No one owes me food. It's not something I am entitled to. So this is where the mistake comes in. When we say we have the right to eat, therefore the government must feed me. I have the right to eat, therefore the government must give me something. I have the right to work and earn a living, therefore someone must pay me a specific wage that I want. I'm entitled to it. The government has to give me or someone else has to give me something that I feel entitled to. This is where it all breaks down. As I mentioned, another example is I have the right to work or you have the the right to pursue happiness. What happens when you don't have a job or what happens when you're not happy? Well, you have the right to pursue happiness. You have the right to pursue a job. You have the right to pursue an income, but you are not entitled 
to happiness. You're not entitled to, to comfort. You are not entitled to a house over your head. You are not entitled to a job that, that pays a specific salary. You, you're not even entitled to any job. You can't go around and force someone to hire you or force the government to give you a salary because that would actually be infringing upon someone else's rights because in order for the government to fulfill that entitlement, they must infringe and take from someone else to give to you. So you have the right to pursue these things, but you're not guaranteed that you will ever have them. Dr. Stephen Yates wrote this article titled Rights and Entitlements. He said this, quote, legitimate rights are easy to recognize. They can be acted on by individuals without the assistance of government and without forcibly interfering with other individuals. Entitlements, on the other hand, cannot be fulfilled except through specific government actions which require forcible interference with others. Now, this harkens right back to the previous episode on justice versus social justice, where social justice is the government forcibly, according to the UN, forcibly taking from someone, infringing upon upon someone else's individual rights, infringing upon that to give you an entitlement, to give you something that you feel entitled to. So we can look at our world, we can look at life and we can say, okay, is this a this thing that I want? Is it, let's say, happiness? Is it a right? Something that I have the the within my own agency that I can pursue that someone else doesn't need to give me? Is that a right? Well, we can say, yes, you have the right to pursue happiness. You can pursue that happiness as long as it's not forcibly interfering with other individuals because now that no longer becomes a right, that becomes an entitlement. And guess what? We're not entitled to entitlements. Meaning an entitlement is something that is optional, that it is a bonus, it is a plus. It's not something that you are guaranteed in life. Another another really great example of this is the trans LGBTQ plus movement that is happening across the globe. In much of their movement, they say that a trans woman who is a man who thinks that he's a woman, whether he's taken hormones or had surgery or not, that doesn't matter. All you have to do is identify, if you're a man, you identify as a woman, now you are a trans woman. They, they say that, trans women or men who think they're women should have the right to call themselves a woman. My response to that is, sure. Okay, you can identify yourself any way that you want. You can claim to be a 160-year-old elf from an intergalactical magical realm from the other side of the galaxy. You can claim that. I can't stop you from saying something, but you can't stop me from disagreeing with you, I can say, well, actually, that's just not true. We know when you were born, we can look at your DNA and see that you have an X and a Y chromosome. You are a man. You are a 
male. You are a woman. You are not a 160-year-old elf. You can say that, but I can disagree with you. So you have the right to say that, but I have the right to disagree. Now, this is where the entitlements come in. When they wish, when someone wishes that the rest of society that disagrees with them would agree with them. Forcing language upon society, saying you must respect my gender, you my gender pronouns. You must respect this. You can't say that I'm a man because I say that I'm a woman. Well, no, now that, that's something that you feel entitled to. That is not a right that you have because now you're infringing on other people's free will, on other people's opinion, on other people's way of, of viewing the world. You can't infringe in that way. Another thing that they do in this movement is they want trans women, which are men who are saying that they're women, to be able to compete in female sports, to access ladies' bathrooms, and to be, like I said, identified by specific pronouns, forcing language usage. Now, this is what put Jordan Peterson on the map a few years ago in Canada, where Canada was about to legislate the forcible use of pronouns where he said, no, no, you can't do that. That actually infringes upon my right. That is an entitlement that they would like, but they're not guaranteed. They have the right to say that they're an elf, but that doesn't mean that I have to agree with anything anyone else says because that would be forcibly interfering with my rights. So a person has the right to say whatever crazy thing about themselves, to identify themselves in any crazy way. However, they cannot forcibly interfere with my right or your right to say, well, that just isn't true. And if they try to involve the government to forcibly interfere, well, it's no longer a right. That is now an entitlement. They're taking something from me to give to someone else, which is a corruption of justice. And now my rights are being infringed upon for someone else's entitlements. Take the food or work or income example that we talked about earlier. You have the right to make as much money as you desire. That is your right. But you are not entitled to any money or any job from anyone. That's not something that you can say, I must have this. You can want it. You can say that you want it all day long, but that doesn't mean you're actually going to get it. Now, those are examples of, of unhealthy rights or unhealthy really entitlements. But what are some entitlements that we do see across the world today? Well, an entitlement would be like getting land from the government when you get married, which is a, a common practice in many countries, or government health care or government education. These are entitlements. They're not rights, but they're entitlements. Why is government healthcare or government schooling, which is masquerades under the name of public healthcare or public schooling, why are these things entitlements? And why do we actually not have a right to public healthcare or government healthcare or a right to government schooling? Well, in order for government healthcare to happen, the government has to take from someone else via taxes to give to you for free. The money 
to run these entitlement programs, the resources that's required to run any entitlement program, whether it's Social Security in America, whether it's food stamps, whether it's a, a, a pension or a, a stipend for being of a certain race or a certain nationality, these things are entitlements that you are blessed to get, but it's not an inherent right. And one of the biggest problems with entitlements, we can look at Greece and we see Greece's history where they, it was entitlements were their pride and joy. They were like, we pride ourselves on giving our country so many entitlements. We're giving left and right from government healthcare to, to stipends, to public schooling. They're giving out all this money. But what happened was that they gave out more money than they had to take. And you can do that once. You can take a bunch of money from people one time to redistribute it. But then sooner or later, as that goes around, you lose the resources to keep your country afloat. And as what happened in Greece could easily happen elsewhere, which is the country went bankrupt. Socialism is based on entitlements. Socialism is based on we are going to take from one group and then redistribute to another group. Those are not rights that we inherently have. Those are entitlements that would be nice, but it means that we're infringing on someone else's rights. Dr. Stephen Yates goes on in his article and he says, the government that sees itself as in the business of fulfilling entitlements soon finds itself under the pressure to grant more and more entitlements. It's a slippery slope. Once you start giving a little bit of entitlements, people want more and more and more until it balloons. So where are we going with all this? I don't actually want to talk about government entitlements today, but I want to talk about personal boundaries and how we like the conversation between entitlements and rights. We are claiming boundaries, specific boundaries as our God-given right, when really they're entitlements that if we keep on pulling on, we are going to become relationally bankrupt. As I said, across society and culture today, especially with the the, uh, inner peace, self-help stuff that's masquerading as boundaries right now across the Facebook, internet, Twitter um, realm, podcast blogosphere, really what is happening is people are saying, I have these boundaries or I have these rights. But when you start to break it down, you have to say, wait a minute, is that really a healthy boundary? Is that really something that you have an inherent right to? Or is that an entitlement that you would like to happen, but that costs taking from someone else? And guess what? If you are continuing to withdraw from your relationships time and time and time and time and time again. Our lives, our relationships will end up much like Greece did in bankruptcy because we are continuing to draw from others to give to ourselves in the name of boundaries, in the name of rights, when really they're things that are entitlements, which means we're infringing upon others to get what we want. Those are not actually healthy boundaries. Those are not actual 
God-given rights. Those are that self-preservation, that is entitlements that we wish that we had in order to protect ourselves, in order to find, you know, quote unquote, safety or comfort so that we do not have to face the reality of the world around us. Now, I am like one of the biggest, my wife and I, one of the biggest proponents of good and healthy boundaries and actually people who have real healthy boundaries, who have the, who are, are strong and powerful individuals who have the, the autonomy and the ability to say no, to be in control of yourself, to not feel responsible for other people's relationships or other people's feelings, but we're responsible to them. We're not responsible for others, but we have a responsibility to others. We are the biggest proponents. There's seasons in our life where we had to learn how to set up healthy boundaries with our time, with a relationship, with the way that we, we speak to one another, with the way that we allow our relationships to manifest. And there was a time in our lives where we, we had to cut a lot of people out of our lives, not to permanently cut them out because that is actually very toxic, but to say, hey, I have issues that I am working through, that I am dealing with, and I'm getting the proper health, the proper help that I need to come into a place of strength and health so I can re-engage with this relationship. And then we can figure out how to re-engage. Here's the wall, but here's the gate. I'm not saying you can't come in at all, but I'm saying here's how we can deal with one another in mutual respect. So I'm all for boundaries. I think that we need healthy boundaries Our kids need healthy boundaries in order for us to function properly in society. So I'm not talking about healthy boundaries, but I'm talking about when we use boundaries and our rights to mask over toxic entitlements of self-preservation and self-help language. That is really, that leads us into a place of self-focus, narcissism, and ultimately a destruction of other relationships around us. So here's, here's one, here's a truth. Here's a truth that often gets manipulated and twisted into an untruth. Here's actually a great boundary to live by. It's this, love your neighbor as you love yourself. Love your neighbor as yourself. That's true. We should, that's something we should all live by. We should seek to love other people the way that we love ourselves or the way that we want to be loved. It's a golden rule. Do unto others as you'd have them do unto you. But this gets twisted. We say, hmm, half truth. Okay, well, if I am to love someone else, I have to have love for myself. 100% true. This is true. If we are going to love other people, we have to have self-worth and love for ourselves. We can't give someone that we don't have. If we're full of self-hatred, it's going to manifest on other people around us. Self-hatred will or hatred will manifest. Anger will manifest on other people around us. So we do we do need to learn to love ourselves. But this is where it gets twisted. Well, I'm going to focus on loving myself. And I'm going to make sure I have all these, you know, these spaces for self-help for pampering myself, for making sure that I'm taken care of. I need to take care of myself first. It's good to be selfish to take care of yourself first because then you can actually take care of other people. 
Like I said, that's a half truth. But notice what it is. It's love your neighbor as you love yourself. So if you are giving yourself and feel like you need all this self-pampering, self-help, self-preservation, if you need to have all this support system to love yourself, then that means if we're going to follow this command to love our neighbor as we love ourselves, that, that means we need to give that very thing that we need to other people. I, I'm, I, I wish I had a study for this. I'm sure there is one on, on narcissism somewhere. But I think so many of our problems come from the fact that we are so self-focused, so self-focused on our world, on our purpose, on my truth, on my reality, on who am I, on my identity. We're so caught up with ourselves that we stop to see the other people around us and realize that we can actually find ourselves in the giving up of ourselves, in our death, in our dying, in our setting our own needs aside to serve other people. That's actually where we come into the place of finding ourselves and finding our purpose in the world. The other one that I mentioned, do unto others as you'd have them do unto you. This gets twisted. I see it so often. It, it turns up like this. Well, if others don't do unto me the way that I want them to, then I'm going to cancel them and cut them out because I want to be respected. So if Jenny doesn't respect me because I want to be respected, then I'm not going to respect Jenny. I'm going to cancel her because she's not treating me the way that I want to be treated. But that's notice, that's not what it says. It's do unto others as you would have them do unto you. So if Jenny or Fatma or Miriam doesn't respect you, well, that means that you should treat her the way that you want to be treated. You should actually do act in the opposite spirit. You should respect her. If Bob or Muhammad isn't generous with you and you want him to be generous with his time or advice or money, which you're not entitled to, which is not a, a right that you have, but you want that from your relationship, then you should show up and actually give to him or give to your spouse or whoever it is in a way that you want to be given to, regardless of how they give to you, regardless of how they treat you. We think that we have the right to be respected, but really it's an entitlement that we are not guaranteed to. We claim these personal rights are healthy boundaries, but really we're just building up walls of self-preservation to make sure that we feel safe, that we feel protected, building up walls to make us feel comfortable. Why? Because we have assumed Comfort, that safety is something that we have a right to. That if I don't feel safe, then something's wrong with the world. But it's not. We, we are not guaranteed safety. In fact, we are guaranteed trials and tribulations. We are guaranteed suffering. We are guaranteed hardship. And the more that we hide from it, the more that it will actually find us. And the more that we fight and face discomfort, the more that we face hardship, the stronger that we will come as individuals, the stronger we will become. And the more resilient that we will become to overcome it, 
we're not guaranteed these things. And yet people weaponize rights and boundaries to actually manipulate other people because these rights and boundaries that they claim are rights and boundaries are actually just entitlements that they're not entitled to. Here's one. I, I was reading this. I was looking this up, article up on the internet for a, a list of these sayings of like these personal bill of rights um, that, that are floating around so many memes and posts that I see on inter- Instagram. And so I looked this up and here's a couple from this list where this individual is saying, this is your personal bill of rights. You need to claim this and believe this and live this out. And so I'm going to read through some of their list of their personal bill of rights. And we're going to examine to see, are these really rights or are they entitlements? First one, I have the right to share and or express my feelings to others if and when I choose without obligation, guilt, or shame. Okay, so you have the right to share or express your feelings with other people if and when I choose. Well, that depends on a couple things. If the other person doesn't really want to have that conversation at that moment, you can't just barge up to them and say, you have to listen to me right now. Because isn't that you infringing upon their rights? And now this other thing, without obligation, guilt, or shame. Okay, if you share something with someone and they say, you know what, I can, I really see how you feel that way, but I disagree with you. And I, I think that's actually a wrong assessment of the situation. Now, you could feel guilt, you could feel obligation, you could feel shame, but that person did not like make you feel that way. If someone is saying, oh, you made me so angry, you made me do this, or, oh, this person makes me happy. If you're using that sort of language, it is a telltale sign that you in some area of your life are still playing the victim, that you are still not a powerful person because you are an individual who has self-control and self-agency. No one can make you feel any way. They can treat you badly. They can disrespect you. Your feelings can get hurt, but you have the, the, the control over your emotions to feel in a certain way. Next one, I have the right to a healthy, loving, secure, and nurturing relationship. Okay, so yeah, you do have the right to those things. Like someone can't forcibly come in and say, whoa, 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 you are having a nurturing relationship. We are going to stop that and make sure you can't have a nurturing relationship. We're going to lock you up in a cage and spit on you so you can't have a nurturing relationship. No, obviously, that would be a violation of your rights. But this idea that we have, that we're entitled to it. Yeah, you have a right to those things, but that doesn't mean they're guaranteed. Like in order to have a healthy, loving, secure, and nurturing relationship, my word, that takes a lot of work and effort and self-sacrifice. Like those things just don't happen. Nurturing relationships don't just happen. It happens when two people mutually submit to one another and say, I'm going to put your needs before my own and I'm going to serve you. I'm going to love you and I'm going to pour into this relationship. These are not entitlements. These are, these are entitlements. These are not guaranteed. These are not rights that we can just expect to have. I hope you have them. 
but you're not guaranteed those things. Now, you can choose to not have a relationship with a person that doesn't care about your relationship or or isn't loving or kind to you. You can choose not to have that relationship, sure, but that doesn't guarantee you're going to find one someone else or find that relationship somewhere else. Here's another one. (laughs) This one's great. I have the right to respect and compassion from others and nothing less. I have the right for respect and compassion from other people and nothing less. Absolutely not. This is just a full-blown entitlement. Since when do you expect that the entire world is supposed to respect you? Especially when it's being defined today as like, well, you have to agree with me. Like, you're not guaranteed that people are going to be kind to you and respect you and have compassion on you. That is just not a guarantee in life. Like, you can want that, and I hope you get that. I hope you find, you know, people around you who have respect for you, but Respect is something that we build and earn. Respect is an equity that we have in relationships from acting wisely, from making good decisions, for showing up for other people when they need something. So that when we're in a hard time, we actually have equity in relationship for people to come and have actual compassion and respect for us. Expecting nothing less, that is a, a, a sure way that you're going to run into lots of toxic problems in your relationship. The list goes on. I have the right to put my needs first before the needs of others. Okay, sure. You have, you have that right to put your needs first, but how is that going to work out for you in the long run? Now, if the other person is always demanding that you put their needs first, and not ever putting your needs first, then yeah, there's probably going to be a a codependent relationship there that is going to end up poorly. But likewise, if you're always putting your needs first before someone else's needs first, it sounds like a recipe for disaster. It's not a right. I have the right to ask for what I want or need. Sure, you have that right, but you are not entitled to receive it. My kids can ask me all they want for what they want or need, but that does not guarantee that they're going to receive it from the relationship or from my wallet. I mean, okay, you you can ask for it, but you're not entitled to it. Uh, Here's one. I have a right to wear my feelings on my shoulders, i.e. not smile if I feel sad or disappointed. You know what? In part, this is great. I'm glad that people feel like they should be able to express their emotions. Absolutely. But now, if you're wearing your sleeve on your shoulders, such as anger or being rude, being selfish, like if you're always wearing your depression on your sleeve, well, one, people aren't going to want to be around you. And two, that exhibits, if you're wearing anger on your sleeve, annoyance on your sleeve, well, I'm just speaking my truth, you are, you are in for a train wreck. You're going to erode your relationships. You're going to erode your relationships by doing that. I have the right to be in a relationship without losing my identity, abandoning my interests, needs, and wants. Sure. 
I hope that you have a healthy relationship and you do in many ways have a right to be in a relationship like that. While at the same time, we have to think about the interests, needs, and wants of others. It is a mutually submitting relationship that those things can happen. Otherwise, you're going to find yourself in a friendship or a marriage where where you are so stubborn about your identity that you're not going to see the needs and wants and interests of the other person. Here's one. I have the right to be me without explanation, apology, or defense. That is for sure entitlement. That is not a right. I mean, you could, you could do this, but what is that going to, what is that going to do? If you just walk around and say, well, I'm just being me. I'm just being honest. Oh, I don't think I'd want to be friends with someone like that who just walks around feeling like they have the right to act however they want. Because remember, think, if, if you say that you have the right to do this, that means the other person has the very same right to do that. Which is every, if everyone is walking around thinking that they have this right to put their needs first, to wear their emotions on their sleeve, while at the same time wanting nothing less than compassion and respect, well, what happens when someone else is wearing their emotions on their sleeve? Just doesn't make sense. I have the right to embrace an important truth that I am me and I am okay just as I am. Okay, yes. I like I like the idea that we have the right to accept ourselves as we are with our, our flaws and our strengths, with our personality, with how we've been created. I think that is a great thing. But at the same time, there is a seed of saying, I am not going to change. I am not going to grow. I'm going to accept myself as I am. I'm going to accept my anger issues as I am. This is just who I am. I can't fix it. I can't change it. I'm just, I, I, I can't control myself. It's just who I am. My attitude is just who I am. Deal with it. You are going to burn all of your bridges. I have the right to fill my own needs and wants rather than demands or expectations of others. And here, and for my needs and wants to be respected at all times. Okay, I can respect your needs and your wants at all times, but that does not mean that you're going to get them. And if you're expecting your needs and wants to be respected at all times, rather than the quote unquote demands or expectations of others, there's other people in the world who also have needs and wants. Like this sort of ideology of entitlements, of expecting that the world owes you something is going to lead to broken relationships where you are isolated and embittered. This is not healthy boundaries. This is not what real boundaries are. Real boundaries are you realizing that you are a strong individual and you have self-control, that other people's actions do not control you, but you control yourself. And from your place of being able to control your emotions, control your thought life, control your actions, control your feelings, control how you respond to situations. So that when someone is getting really big in the room, when someone is demanding things from you, 
you can actually have compassion for them, where you can actually have respect for them, not the other way around, not you demanding that they have respect for you. Because it's people who are strong and powerful individuals. Those are the people that can operate in meekness. Meekness is power under control. Meekness is power under control where we have a sword, we have power, but we are keeping it sheathed. It's this picture of a Roman soldier who has his sword, but he doesn't have to take it out of his sheath in order to control people around him. He is a powerful individual, yet he doesn't need to use his power because he is, he knows in the core of who he is that he is powerful. And we're gonna, we're gonna end with this. The world does not know, owe you, and the world does not owe me a single thing. We are not owed anything. Now, we have rights. We do have rights. And those are what the government is in place to protect, to make sure that other people do not infringe upon our rights. They give us the freedom to act and pursue our liberties and pursue our happiness to pursue our dreams and our business and, and the life that we want to make for us. That's why the government's in place to protect our rights so that they're not infringed upon, but the government is not there and our relationships are not there for the sake of entitlements where we say, I demand this. You have to give me something at someone else's expense. Remember, if we go back to the, the beginning and the definition of rights versus entitlements. A right can be seen because they can be acted on by the individual without assistance of others and without forcibly interfering with other individuals, whereas entitlements cannot be fulfilled except through infringing forcibly upon other people. Notice most of these boundaries that I listed off was actually the infringing upon other people's desires, on other people's emotions, on other people's actions. It's infringing upon them in these ultimatum power play situations, which is not meekness. And if you want to have healthy relationships around you, we have to be able to walk in meekness. No one can make you feel anything. And oftentimes, when we are victims and not powerful, we will focus on our entitlements. We will focus on the things that we don't have, and we will demand other people give it to us because we are not powerful within ourselves. So we build walls. We build walls, and we expect because we want safety. We want comfort. And we build these walls up of self-preservation, and yet we expect people to give us emotional equity and love and support when we actually haven't poured in and nourished those other relationships. Now, we can do this once or twice. We can, we can come to a place in our lives and say, I am, I'm hurting, I'm broken, I need help. And we can pull and we can say, I'm withdrawing from the, our emotional bank accounts because I really need something right now. You do it once, we can do it twice, but sooner or later, we will become emotionally bankrupt within our relationships and we will end up like Greece, which is, we'll end up like Zimbabwe with the currency just shot through the roof. We'll end up like Venezuela 
where the currency is now worthless and people are standing in in lines for hours for a piece of bread because they embraced entitlements. They embraced this idea that the government, that someone else can take from those who have and give to those who have not, quote unquote. This is that, that idea of entitlements. We're going to take and give rather than I'm going to be a person who is powerful, who gives to the relationships around me far more than I can ever take because we find our identity in being generous, in laying down our lives for our friend, in blessing our enemies, in praying for those who persecute us. When we find our identity in those places, that is where we enter into freedom. That is where we enter into truth. That was where we enter into purpose and meaning for our life. So as you go out today, I hope that you will think about this within your relationships. How can you become a person who is selfless and generous giving to others rather than seeking your own way and your own desires. If you do this, if you look to be the most loving, caring, generous, respectful person in the relationships around you, regardless of how you are being treated, your relationships and your life will get better. I can guarantee that. That is a principle that you can take to the bank. If you love others the way that you love yourself, and if you treat others the way that you want to be treated, you can take it to the bank as a principle that you will reap joy and happiness and freedom. That is all for this episode. I'm just so grateful that you spent this time here with me. Please, I love hearing your questions so WhatsApp me at plus one two zero two nine two two zero two two zero, or go to the website lucasscrobot l u c a s s k r o b o t dot com and press the appropriate button. Until next time, I'm Lucas Scrobot. You are a person that pursues and seeks out truth and loves your neighbor, loves people who don't love you well, but you love them well. So go out and own your future. 